Good day, good people. Uh, this is Pastor Tim. Uh, welcome to another edition of uh, the podcast with Pastor Tim. It is I. I am he. And I can't tell you guys how excited I am to uh, have the opportunity to share more of the word with you today. We've been going over this topic of being undefeated. And God has allowed us to really spend time in Second Chronicles where Jehoshaphat has really been uh, the pillar of our example as it pertains to what it looks like when you're undefeated. One of the things that we talked about, one of the things that I think is important to know is your victory, uh, the place that you stand in, a, the place called undefeated, uh, the place where you've not experienced a loss has absolutely nothing to do with you. Uh, it has everything to do with bringing honor and glory back to the Father. It brings honor to God for you to be victorious. So that's one of the things that I think is really key. It's, it's definitely a high point of uh, the lesson is for you to understand that when you experience your win, when you experience your victory, uh, you are nothing more than a benefactor of this great thing that God's doing that brings glory back to his name, that brings honor back to who he is, that causes others to reverence him more. So Jehoshaphat's just a guy, right? He's just this king that we'll use as the example, but don't, don't be misled for a second in believing that this has anything to do with him. It has everything to do with God. So we've been looking at Jehoshaphat. We spent time in chapter 17. We spent time in chapter 18. And the time in chapter 18 was interesting because in 18, we see how Jehoshaphat builds this relationship with uh, King Ahab that I call a dangerous relationship. It's a relationship that uh, puts his relationship with God at risk. Uh, it's a relationship that almost causes him to lose his undefeated status. Uh, it's a relationship where I don't believe his quote unquote friend had his best interest at heart. So it's a very dangerous relationship. And you and I have experienced relationships like these in the past where uh, we've connected ourselves with people that uh, don't necessarily lead us down the best paths or roads. But for whatever reason, we deem these people to be important. So we connect with them. We hang out with them. Uh, we make decisions based off that relationship. And, um, you know, to to our detriment, uh, these are relationships that in moments and times we value that relationship more than we value the relationship that we maintain with God. And we find ourselves uh, oftentimes being more loyal to these relationships and the relationship that we maintain with God uh, because it's more tangible. It's easier to uh, know the ins and outs of that person and understand and not want to let them down. And so last week we talked about how Jehoshaphat makes a decision to go into battle with King Ahab. Uh, after really knowing the type of person that Ahab was, he he really should have known better. But he ends up here. Uh, God rescues him. And as we start at the top of 19, we really see how God shows up for him because it starts by saying when King Jehoshaphat of Judah, this is Second Chronicles 19 and one, when King Jehoshaphat of Judah arrived safely home in Jerusalem, something happened. So we immediately recognized that God showed up on his behalf. There was a level of favor that existed 
for Jehoshaphat, so much so that he returns home to Jerusalem safely. Now, he doesn't return home. It's like the kid who um, it's like the kid who's uh, broken curfew. You've been out and you've done things that your parents would not be pleased with. You've done some stuff that your parents would not approve of. And it's no different. God doesn't approve of what Jehoshaphat has done. And so he's immediately greeted at the door by dad. <laughs> he's immediately greeted at the door by dad, but not necessarily his dad in this sense. It's a seer of the Lord. And the seer of the Lord says to him, uh, why should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? He asks the king, because of what you've done, the Lord is very angry with you. Even so, there is some good in you for you have removed the Asherah poles throughout the land and you've committed yourself to seeking God. And so no different than when you walk through the door after you've broken curfew and you went to that party or you hung out in that spot that your parents told you don't go to. You spent some time there. You walk through the door and there your parents are waiting to confront you and really check you, so to speak, to say, hey, what have you been into? And they and they and they they don't shy away from letting you know how displeased they are with you. But overall, you're a good kid. Right. And so the seer says to him, why do you choose to connect yourself with people that hate God? Like, why do you love these people that are wicked? Like what's going on with that? And because of the relationship, he's speaking back to the relationship that he had with Ahab because of the relationship, because of the compromised position that you've placed yourself in. The Lord has been angry with you. And it wasn't only the relationship that he put himself in. It wasn't only the danger that he put himself in. But you have to be reminded that when you sit in the position as king, when you have people that you are responsible for, when God has given you an assignment that has other people connected to it, your miss could also be their miss. When you fall, they may also fall. And so we find here in the text that Jehoshaphat returns back to this place safely, but he returns really in conflict and he returns to a word from God that says, yo, you've been out of pocket. And although you have some good in you and I can see that you removed the astropoles and you committed yourself to God like, yo, you've got to check this part of you that 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 is so willing to be connected to people that don't look like me. So here is Jehoshaphat trying to bring himself back to the place where he's supposed to be. Uh, the same thing that many of us have to find ourselves doing at times where we've not necessarily been in pocket, but God is giving us a awesome opportunity to get ourselves back in line. And I just want to remind you that what you did in the past will only carry you so far into the future. And so even though he did something for God, even though he was committed to God, it doesn't mean that that same uh, favor that rained on you at one point will rain on you forever. The same the same blessing for what you did in the past may not necessarily keep you covered in the future. So it is imperative to keep yourself in a place with God where you're constantly hearing what God is saying and not necessarily what God said. God gives new revelation. He gives new word. He releases something fresh because every day should be a new day in God where I hear something fresh from God so that I don't miss God. And so I just challenge many of us to uh, maintain that right relationship with God so that we don't miss the word that he's releasing for the moment. Because as God begins to do uh, 
these wonderful things in your life, as he begins to elevate you and allow you to experience new levels and new glory and new opportunity, there are adversaries that wait at each new realm that you attempt to go to. So as you get ready to go to your next place in God, you have to remember that your next place comes with a new adversary. And so as Jehoshaphat was experiencing, experiencing this exponential growth as king, right? We talked about it in 17 that he was the king. He had begun, he had begun to uh, uh, teach the word, releasing the word. He was making sure that he closed up all the loopholes and all the fortified, uh, all, all the vulnerable places to make sure the city was fortified. He began to become more esteemed. He began to be get, uh, to, to get more wealth. He began to experience so much more. And as this happened, he went to his next level. He went to his next level on the revelation that he had gotten in the past. And the past revelation for the new place he was in, it didn't, it did, it didn't work. So he found himself slipping out of the position that he needed to be in with God and now being influenced by where he was currently. So your new place that God's taking you to your next dimension, your new realm, your your uh, new glory that you're going to experience requires new revelation because there are adversaries that are waiting at the threshold of your next place. And as I thought about the text, as I thought about this word, I was reminded of the Super Mario Brothers. Yo, ain't nobody better than Mario and Luigi, right? So Mario and Luigi are trying to dominate and take over all these worlds. So I remember when the Wii first came out, the Wii came out, and my wife and I just had our first child, and we stayed up all night playing Super Mario Brothers on the Wii. And we're trying to go to each new world. We're trying to beat every, uh, every um, portal in each world and at the and it's a new challenge right in every one of the levels every one of the games right there's a new challenge but at the end of each world there is a dragon that is holding the princess captive and if you can't beat the dragon you'll never get to the princess and i look at the dragon as the adversary and the princess as the promise and there's a promise that you're trying to get to but there's an adversary that's at the end of this place that you're at that you have to defeat and you can't defeat this thing without having the strategy of god and so how do you get the strategy how do you get the winning um the winning strategy. How do you know how to beat the game? You've got to spend time in that place understanding what's going on so that you can know the ins and outs and get the revelation. And so Jehoshaphat misses this moment and his opportunity because he's focused on his esteem and the relationship with Ahab and not focused on the work that God has called him to do. So here he is in 19 coming back from being in this crazy scenario and he experiences the seer who checks him, who says, yo, you've been out of pocket, but there's some good in you. And God uses the good that's in you and he can increase and multiply that good so that you can be great. But the greatest success that you're going to ever have and what God has called you to, the greatest place of being undefeated is you being consistent. Because because of Jehoshaphat's inconsistency, and because he slipped himself out of pocket, he also uh, uh, allowed other people to slip out of pocket. 
And so in 19, as he goes back and he begins to do the work that he was once doing in, in, in verse four, it says Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, but he went out among the people traveling from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, encouraging the people to return, not to turn, not to convert. He's now encouraging the people to return because he was out of pocket. The people got out of pocket and now he's got to go back and recover those that are lost because he himself was lost. And so now he's trying to encourage these people to return back to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. And so now he's appointing judges and he's going back and he's telling people, yo, the judgment, I got these guys, they're going to be out. And he challenges them. He says, always think carefully before, before pronouncing judgment. Remember that you do not judge to please people, but to please the Lord. Uh, it says that he will be with you with every uh, he will be with you when you render every verdict in each case. Fear the Lord and judge with integrity for the Lord, your God does not tolerate perverted justice, partiality, or taking of bribes. He's basically encouraging them, yo, go out, be on assignment, and don't allow yourselves to be compromised. And I think that he's able to give them that word because he recognizes that when he compromised, the danger that it put him in. It, it, it's no different than when we talked about before with the boxer. If the boxer cheats on his regimen, if he compromises his conditioning, he makes himself vulnerable to be overtaken. So even as he talks to the to, to the uh, judges that he's sending out, he's able to talk to them from a place that he knows. All right. So he spends time, he talks to them about that. And, and, and after uh, he sends them out, there's something that happens. Let's let's skip down to uh, uh, verse. I'm, I'm sorry. Chapter 20. After this, the armies of the Moabite, the Moabites the Ammonites and some of the uh, Munites declared war over Jehoshaphat. Now, this is different because back in 17, because of the work that he was doing, people regarded God so highly and they respected the position that Jehoshaphat was in that they would not they were not willing to, to, to wage a war against him. Now he's been out of pocket. He's trying to get the people to return back to God. He's trying to restore what was being torn down based on his behavior. And now people are not pleased because they've become comfortable being compromised and comfortable people cool with being compromised. Don't want you to force them to turn back and do what they no longer want to do. I want to be free. I want to do my thing. I want to hang out. I want to turn up. I want to go here. And I don't necessarily want to do this God stuff that you're talking about. So how about we take you out? Because if we take you out, then I don't have to worry about you challenging me to do what I need to do. I now get to live and do whatever it is that I want because I'm now in control. So they, they, they are not pleased with Jehoshaphat and they're ready to declare war against him. Messengers came. This is 20 verses one. Verse two. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazaz and Tamar. Verse three, Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and he begged the Lord for guidance. He's now begging God for guidance, right? 
He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So the people from all over the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord. It says in verse six, he prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land to us forever to the descendants to your of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war or plague or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out for you to save us and you will hear us and you will rescue us. So the thing that I love most about what Jehoshaphat does, he challenges God and, 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 and attempts to make God be bound by his word. Because God is just that dope where he's like, yo, I'm never going to release a lie. I'm always going to release truth. And so even though you've allowed yourself to be in this place, there are moments and times where you have to be bold enough to go to God in prayer and simply say to God what he's already said to you. God, you promised. God, you said that I would be victorious. You said that I would be more than a conqueror. You said greater is he that is within me than he that stands in the world. So in everything that I'm going through, God, I just challenge you by your word to keep me and rescue me. That's what Jehoshaphat does. And, and I think it's cool because he realizes that this is how I'm going to have victory is if I stand on your word. If I stand on your word, God. I can't help but to win because you're a winner and you promised me victory. And this is what God wants you to experience. This is the victory that God wants you to experience, because as you challenge God by his word and as God is reminded by what he says, he knows that when you experience his victory, it will bring honor to his name. And so here he is in this particular part of the text, challenging God with his word. And he says to God, God, hey, you said you would do this. I've seen you do it before. This is what I love. He's the same God yesterday, today and forevermore. And he reminds God of this by saying you drove people out of the land before who didn't want to see us win, who said we couldn't be here, who said that we wouldn't have success. And just as you've had naysayers in your life for years, do not be bothered by them and don't even be bound by the troubles of your past. Be reminded that if you stand on God's word, you will always experience victory. But I would challenge you to say this. Your greatest victories in God exist when you maintain your consistency. When you maintain your position as God's very own. Your prayer changes. You don't necessarily have to pray a prayer of rescue. You can just simply speak a word. You can simply just release a word because you and God are that close. But even in this place that Jehoshaphat is in, as he challenges God to rescue him, all the men of Judah, verse 13, all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children. The spirit of the Lord came upon the men standing there 
And one of the men said to him, he said, listen, all of you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Once again, God is saying something right now. What is God saying right now that's relevant to your victory? What is God saying right now that allows you to experience the win that God intended you to experience in your life? He says, listen, this is what God says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. This is a great word. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. This is God's battle because this victory brings glory back to God. And so when you stand in this place where you feel like everything is going to fall apart, where you see this vast army that's against you, where you see that there is a defeat that 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 is in front of you, possible defeat. When it looks like there's a possibility to be defeated that's standing right in front of you, you have to be reminded that the battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. There is a sense of calm that should come over you when you realize that this victory brings honor back to God. So he challenges him. He says, yo, like, what are we going to do, God? Like, you said you could do it. You said you would do it. You said you would rescue us. And... As you are prepared to rescue us from this, God, I need you to uh, do it the same way I've seen you do it before. So God does it. Don't be afraid. God stands. He does it. He does something magnificent in his life. He allows him to experience this victory yet again. Uh, in in the in the verse, he says, uh. He says this, he says, tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming through the accent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat is absolutely in awe of how God responds. And, and it's so amazing that we stand in these positions where we're afraid and we don't want to uh, experience defeat. And we cry out to God, asking God what the plan is. What are we going to do? God sends a response. I'm going to do this. Has nothing to do with you because this isn't your battle. It's mine. And I'm going to use you in this moment to bring glory and honor back to my name. There will be a victory, but you're not going to even have to fight. You won't even have to lift a hand. All you have to do is stand there in position and watch me do my thing. Jehoshaphat falls to his face. He begins to worship. He begins to do exactly uh, what God has c commanded him to do in this moment. But one of the things that I found to be uh, the most confusing about Jehoshaphat is the level of inconsistency that existed in the relationship that he had with God. And I bring this up only because I believe that many believers are faced with the same challenge. You have a need for God. And in the moments in, when you need, in, 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 the moments in which you need God, you know to cry out for him. 
at the times in which you, you are experiencing uh, a great deal of turmoil or challenge or frustration or you're afraid to step forward and you see uh, this uh, uh, possibility of being overtaken by this vast army. Or I just even like to say it this way. When the adversary looked like he out to get you. When things are no longer going the way you envisioned it to go. Uh, uh, when, when it looks like the world around you is crumbling, when things seem to be falling apart, those are the times in which we have, uh, the greatest ability to cry out for God. But it's not in those moments where we may, we need to maintain our cry where we need to maintain our own. It's in the moments when things are going well, as I said in the beginning, a few weeks ago, if you are not in battle, you should be preparing for one. If you are not at war, the possibility for war still exists. So you have to still be ready. Your greatest weapon to, to maintain your victory is your prayer life. And if you can't consistently find yourself praying and worshiping, you will forever find yourself having to pray the prayer of rescue. But if you are consistent in your prayer time and in your worship and in your time spent with God, it won't be a prayer of rescue that will need to be prayed. You will simply be able to respond to what's in front of you. Because you'll already have the word because you'll spend you would have spent time with him daily. So you would know what God is saying in that moment where you wouldn't be lost, but you would know exactly what God is asking for. That's the challenge. That's the goal. That's the expectation that we find ourselves in that place where we're not praying a prayer of rescue, but I'm simply able to speak to what's in front of me because I already know what to say, because God will give you the words to speak. He will place the words in your mouth to overtake your adversary so that you can be undefeated. Jehoshaphat struggled with this, man. He struggled. You skip down to, let's skip down to uh, verse 32. I'm going to go to 31. Let's go to 31 really quickly because I'm, I'm almost finished and we're going to conclude. Verse 31, chapter 20, 2 Chronicles. So Jehoshaphat ruled over the land of Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 25 years. OK, verse 32, Jehoshaphat was a good king following the ways of his father, Asa. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight during his reign. However, he failed to remove all the pagan shrines and the people never fully committed themselves to follow the God of their ancestors. The relationship you have with God does not allow you to 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 leave a little bit back for yourself. This is not one of those. This is. This is not a moment in time in your life where you are able to give God 88% of you. I know that you've been to school and, you know, you go through the educational system and they tell you that 88% ain't too bad. 88% seems okay, right? It's a high B. 88% is not that bad. You pass. It's all good. And it kind of says that he was a good king. He followed out the ways of his father. He was about an 88 However, he neglected, he failed to do as king, as ruler over the people, as the leader. Right. 
He had a responsibility and, a, and an obligation to ensure that he tore down all the shrines. That he, he removed all the paganistic practices out of the land so the people could fully commit themselves to God. Because if you give people an inch, they'll take a mile. And while it's not popular to be on uh, somebody's list where they feel like, yo, man, he's too strict or that's too much or I'm looking for a little bit of balance. We do a lot of things in the name of balance that are nothing more than a compromise. We do a lot of things in the name of being balanced that is a complete contradiction to our statement of faith in God. I know that you're looking for balance, but look for balance in God. Don't use the world's systems to, to dictate what balance should look like for you. Because essentially that's what Jehoshaphat did. He allowed some of the paganistic stuff to exist. He didn't tear it all down. We got 88% of it, so it's good. No, absolutely not. God needs all. He needs all of you. He needs all of your commitment. He needs all of your service. He wants all of you. And he wants that because he wants you to be whole, thoroughly furnished, lacking nothing. He does not want you to be without. And so because Jehoshaphat, this is my opinion. This is my this part here that I'm going to give. This is my opinion. I believe that because he did not tear down all the shrines, because there were still some paganistic things going on in the land in which he dwelt. He experienced a spirit around him that allowed him to get off track here and there. Because we're going to read in the very last part of this text that one of the things he does sometime later, verse 35, sometime later, King Jehoshaphat of Judah made an alliance with King Ahazia of Israel, who was very wicked. I don't even really need to go any further than that because the fact that he connects himself to another wicked king says it all. He connects himself to another wicked king and as a result, he allows himself to be compromised because how can two walk together unless they agree? What is the agreement that exists between these two kings? Here he is with King Ahazia. After he's been with King Ahab, these wicked kings of Israel that he's willing to connect himself, himself to that literally calls him to compromise. Don't compromise your standard. Do not compromise your victory. But be reminded that there is a beautiful Victory that exists in you being committed to God. So I challenge you, people of God. It is my belief that God wants you to be undefeated. It is my belief that God wants to use you to showcase the victory that exists in this world for, through him. But it cannot happen if you will not commit. It cannot happen if you will not give all of you to him. So that's my challenge to you today. Let there be more of you that you're willing to give so that you can experience God's victory. I love you guys. I thank you so much. Uh, 
there there will be a new series that we'll go through soon. I'll share that with you guys. I'll keep it off the I'm going to keep it off the podcast tonight. I won't tell you what that is, but uh, I hope you I hope you enjoy uh, what you're getting. I thank you guys for listening and tuning in. Uh, until next time, I'm signing off as Pastor Tim. Uh, love you guys much. Uh, representing for True Life Christian Church, uh, Southfield, Michigan. Love you guys. Until next time, take care.